Welcome back to the Saturday Sports Show here on 102.9 CRCFM. I'm Quivian Rowland and now it's time to turn our attention towards a weekly GA slot and today we'll be focusing on hurling in Mayo. And to do so, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by our contributors Tony Stakelum and Michael Kelly. Tony, if I can begin with you, hurling has for so long been the poor relation to football in this GA mad stronghold. You yourself are an adopted son of this county, originally from a hurling stronghold of Tipperary. Are you able to give us an insight as to why this is the case here in County Mayo? It's hard to it's hard to answer that question. I suppose, really, as you said, I'm I'm an adopted son of this county. Um, I suppose, from you you know, the tradition is everything. I suppose, Queen, you know, and the tradition is Gaelic football, and it has been Gaelic football since the association was started, even though hurling has ran in tandem and is as old and uh, games been played in this county. And if you were to go back to the the historic times, uh, they will tell you that uh, hurling was discovered on the plains of Maitura, which are south of Clare Morris. Um, But, you know, it's all about tradition, like where I come from in Tipperary, you could say that it's the complete opposite of what one has here. Now, um, they tend to play more football down there. All the clubs would have juvenile football teams. Um, they would play a, a lot more football in Tipperary than what uh, they would play hurling. Like there's how many we have eight clubs in Mayo plus we would have maybe some hurlers that are not from that have no hurling club within their club that are playing with us so you could probably add in maybe another eight as well I suppose you could say that there's hurling lads from about 16 clubs in Mayo and there's over 50 so you know it's 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 always going to be the poor relation um and that's nobody's fault because you would have to say that in the last while, I suppose, since the advent of the GPA, that uh, especially at inter-county level, that the Mayo hurlers are getting as much as what the Mayo footballers are getting um, without uh, earning the, the financial reward that the footballers would earn through the, all the gates for the National League and for making All-Ireland finals and things like that. But it's very hard to break tradition and, and um, it's it's a mindset that people have. And, you know, uh, at county board level, they will talk about hurling and, you know, um, you will get all the, 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 the heads nodding and say, this is great and this is everything. But, you know, the, the, it's it's just that it's 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 a secondary competition is a secondary thing in this county and you know no no more than if you go to most other counties say north of Athlone or even east of Athlone you know and all that kind of way you know it's football is first um, hurling is second and then you go south you go to Limerick Tipperary now, Clare is divided between East and West Clare. You know, you have football on the coast and and the hurling is the East. Limerick would be more so hurling. The south of the county probably would be football because it's touching the Kerry border. But the ironic thing about it is that the big hurling part of Kerry is touching the Limerick border. So that doesn't make sense either. So tradition, I suppose, Creevin. 
tradition is the thing and also as well as you're you're not competing at the top level so the people are not seeing you that seems to certainly make a difference. The success of the Mayo footballers certainly glosses over a lot of the talent that is within the ranks of Mayo hurling. Mike, if I can go to you and put that towards you about it being maybe a bit of a fallacy for us Mayo people to believe that we are passionate about Gaelic games when we fail to get behind our hurling team and only really possess a handful of teams at club level here in the county. Yeah, I think... You know, like people in Mayo are passionate about Gaelic games, but you're right in saying they don't get behind the hurling team. Like I've, over the years, covered the Mayo hurlers for newspapers and that, and you know, covered league matches where if there was 10 people at it, including the players' families. You know, I remember traveling to Hyde Park once to see a, a game against Mead in the National League about 10, 12 years ago, and there was nobody at it. You know, it could have been played in any club ground up and down the country and you wouldn't have known it was on, let alone to be playing it in an inter-county ground. But yet, if Tipperary or Pinkley Kenny on the telly, everyone in the county who enjoys Gaelic games will be watching it, you know. But it's it's like most things. They'll watch the high-quality stuff. Same with the soccer. You know, they'll watch your Liverpools, Chelsea's, etc. They won't watch, you know, the, the local stuff here in Mayo. They won't go out and see it. And I do think Tony's right in saying it is, it's down to tradition. You know, there isn't that tradition, at least not recently, of hurling in Mayo. You know, you go back to even kind of around the 40s and the 50s, there were a lot more clubs in Mayo. You know, my own club, Swinford, I think, have two uh, senior hurling titles. They don't have any football ones, and yet it's very much a football town. There is, there was talk before of a hurling club starting up, and people were almost ran from the town because it's just not there. It's not, it's no longer in the tradition of the town. Whereas it obviously used to be. There's lots of other clubs around like that. Ballina or another, much more recent than that. I think only 10 years ago, maybe they had a senior team that were competing for senior titles in Mayo. And now there's no club there at all. These guys have to travel to go and play with uh, Torin or Bellyhonis or Castlebar or Westport if they want to get actual competitive games of hurling. You know, Belmullet has gone as well. So whether it's that... Or, or it probably is just that it's a football mad county. We will get behind our football team. We'll go see them in, in our thousands, same at club level. But when it comes to hurling, people here just want to see the really high quality stuff. And, you know, that's, that's probably unfair on the guys who are playing for Mayo because the level they're playing at is high quality. It's just not, you know, the absolute peak. Yeah, that does seem to be a major factor in a lot of this discussion people have an interest in the sport but maybe not I suppose a a full commitment towards it Tony and we do have that situation now where footballers throughout the length and breadth of Mayo are training 365 days of the year for maybe 60 odd days of matches and action other counties would maybe supplement that by mixing codes and playing football or hurling is there an argument to be made that every club in Mayo should at least try and enter a juvenile team if the schedule allows it. It's not as if every club possesses a great deal of inter-county talent that might be afraid of, of picking up the hurl for fear of injury. There are plenty of lads who would prefer competitive action and opportunities to wear their club colours. Um, yeah, I suppose that's a novel idea. It's not something I've 
<laughs> I've even taught it myself, Quavian, but I'd love to um, I'd love to stand up at a county board meeting and propose that. <laughs> I'd say I'd be hung from Mikhail Park straight away. But yeah, it, it, it might be a bad idea because that, that is, say, for example, what happens in Tip, that, you know, there is juvenile football clubs everywhere in the whole county and they play from um, 10s, 12s, 14s, 16s and minors. Now, a lot of it might taper off after that, but there's still a certain amount of teams that will um, even say, I'll take my own club, Holy Cross Ballycahill, where I'm from. Now, I played in and won two county junior football titles with our club. We also won a couple of divisional intermediate titles and we played senior football. We joined up at the crowd next door for a few years. So, so the, there would have been a certain level of football. Tommy Carr, in his time, Tommy that um, represented and Captain Dublin, he was our main player. He was born, well, he was raised in Holy Cross. So we would have had one good footballer and 14 lads that were, you know, we wouldn't have trained for it as such. But yeah, it might be a novel idea to say to every club, yes, would you put in and out, say, an under 12 uh hurling team and let's have a competition or something like that you know um it it, it would be a, a a proposal as i said i've never it never even dawned on me to be honest with you Quivian, but yeah why not you know but yeah it, michael talked about Ballinad. thanks for the god they're actually back we're, we're hoping that they will have a juve a junior team this year because um as Michael said, the whole thing just stopped down there and a lot of them moved on to clubs in Sligo to play with, but they've all come back now. And you'd be hoping that between the Ballina lads that are hurling for other clubs will go back to Ballina and they'll all hurl together as a team. It would be great. It would mean um, with Cashel Gales that I think for the first time in quite a long time, we're going to have a junior hurling championship as well as a senior hurling championship. So that will be a, a novel thing. Um, we even in Castlebar will have enough uh, lads to play junior as well as senior this year. Um, Turin definitely have. I think Ballyhonis also will have. And we would be hoping that Westport would have. So we, we'll have four senior hurling teams and six junior hurling teams. And maybe in a couple of years' time, both Cashel Gales and Balna will come back to six. So, you know, there's some positive things there as well. And then you have Claire Morris um, are, are going very well over there. Balavari are out the road from us here. They're, you know, they're doing their bit all the time. So it's, it's kind of growing again, but it's all cyclical. And I suppose the one thing that you will find about, we talked about Bell Mullet, there's no hurling in. It, it you will find that there's only maybe one or two people in a place like that, or even here in Castle Bar down the years, back not this present time, but back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, the early 90s, there would have been maybe two or three people running the club and they would have put all their efforts into it. But then after a while, she get tired. She couldn't do it. Like it's not possible to, to train all the teams. So that's what happens with the hurling. So you need you need a broader base of people to be involved. Like, say, take our own club here in Castlemar. Like we have, like we have teams at all age groups now, and we would have four and five between managers and selectors at each age group. And you need that, you know. So that is another reason why hurling has, it comes and goes, and it's cyclical. It 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 just is because there's not enough people to to run a team, you know. But 
um, you know, it, it all goes back to the willingness of people to embrace it. And and you and Mike is right as well. They want to see Tipperary Kilkenny playing in the telly. But but even if you go to the Mayor Club football, and Michael probably agree here, you go to a lot of football matches, you, you hardly see anyone at them. Like you go to McHale Park when Mayo are playing football, 10, 15,000, and you'd wonder to yourself, where is this 10 or 15,000 that are not going to watch Castlebar Mitchell's football or uh, Ballantubber or whoever else? They're not there either. So it's not, well, it is a hurling team, especially, but, but it also is a football team as well. Certainly the case of footballing ruling the roost, uh, it's the, su- the success, I suppose, it's hard to deny it, the luster of the Mayo footballing team. Just how much of a success or potential benefit to Mayo Hurling, Mike, will it be to have somebody like Keith Higgins, one of the most revered Gaelic footballers of recent generations, to return to his original sport, some might say. Uh, the Ballyhonas clubman has signalled his intent to hurl with the Mayo County team this year, which would certainly be a major lift for the rest of the Mayo Hurlers and perhaps maybe bring a few supporters to the stadium to follow the hurling team along. It, it will be a massive lift to the hurlers, and it was very telling at the time that Keith um, retired that he was very specific in saying that he was retiring from football. You know, there was no mention that, of, that he was retiring from hurling, and then obviously it was confirmed a while later, uh, to no surprise of anybody considering, you know, his his good friend, uh, is it Derek Hunt, is the manager of the, of the male hurlers. So he was always going to get enticed in there for... You know, when you look at the kind of season that the that the hurlers have at the level Mayo are at, he could play three or four years at that level because it's almost about a 10-week season, really. You know, the National League is only four or five games. Then it's almost straight into the, um, I think, is it the Nicky Rackard that they're in at the moment, which in itself is only about four or five games. So, you know, the his whole season at Intercounty Level of Hurling would be over probably by the middle of June in a normal year. And maybe even earlier now with the way things are changing around with this half and half season between um, hurling and football. Uh, so, you know, I think we will see him playing hurling for Mayo for a couple of years. It's arguably where he actually belongs. You know, a lot of people, particularly up on Ballyhonas, will tell you he was an excellent hurler who happened to be good at football. Now, you know, good is probably an understatement when it comes to to, to everything Keith Higgins has, has kind of achieved in the game. But, you know, hurling clearly was always his first game. It was his first sport. And up around Ballyhonest, there's lots of people will tell you that hurling is the first sport up there. That, that between themselves and Taurine, that's like Tipperary and Kilkenny, you know, that local rivalry that's up there. Even even at football, the Taurine lads won't go and play with Ballyhonest. You know, they go and play with Ahamore because they won't play with the with the lads playing hurling for for, for Ballyhonest. It's it's a pure rivalry. Whether Keith playing hurling now will get the fans out it's hard to see. It's hard to see one man making a difference when, you know, they were winning a couple of years ago. You know, they were winning the, I think it was the Nicky Rackards. They were competing at one stage in the Christie Ring. You know, they. I remember back in the noughties, you, you used to see Mayo sometimes kind of reaching the, the semi-finals and that of the B hurling championship where they were coming up against teams like Dublin. You know, I think it was it in maybe the early nineties they were beating Waterford in a in a competitive national league game despite, I think, not scoring in the second half of that match or only scoring a point. So I'm not sure Tony will uh, probably remember better now than I can. Um, but, you know, if things like that couldn't get the fans out, then it is very hard to see one man getting fans. He'd get them on their feet if they're in the ground because, of you know, he's that kind of half forward in Hurland who, who, who can do things. 
but I just can't see people coming out because of one guy when, like I say, all those other things the hurlers have achieved over the last maybe 20 years, that hasn't been able to get the fans out. Tony, can I get your thoughts on Keith Higgins' return to the sport of hurling? You're on mute again there, Tony. Yeah. Um, yes, it's great. It's great. It's great for uh, at county level. And, you know, Mike is right. It probably won't. It'll probably see an increase of people going to the matches, but not the increase that you'd like to see. But what it might do, it'll he'll add to the team and which will probably mean that we will have more success, which, and when you have more success, more people will come. So I suppose indirectly, it, it, he will add to the, to the crowd, you know, um, because when you take about, when you take it now, we were betting the Nicky Racket Cup final in Crow Park there at the end of last year. Um, if we had key playing, and also we were short Fergal Boland on the day as well, you know, if we had the two of them, we'd have walked that match. And there's no truth to be saying. So he will enhance the whole thing. Um, delighted to see that he is hurling. Um, he was such a fantastic footballer as well. You know, like uh, he was equally as good at football um, as he is at hurling. So we're always delighted to see him back. It probably won't bear well for the, the club scene because he'll be able to concentrate more on, on hurling for Ballyhonis as well, which will make them equally stronger as well. So um, all in all, it's a plus. It is, and it has to be a plus, I suppose. It would be more about getting the little guys to go and watch him and you know maybe um, portray it that way that Keith is hurling and you might get a few more young lads in to play, which might mean that they might get a love for it and, and want to hurl hurl themselves after that but it has to be a positive grieving absolutely 100% and it, it might mean more media coverage as well yeah that's very important and just how good is Keith Higgins as a hurler for those who may not have seen him play for his club or for the county oh he's a very very good hurler absolutely absolutely he's um, you know he, he has the speed which Everybody knows from his football and he has the touch and he's tremendously accurate from freeze. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's an all, he's an all round hurler and he can play. He sometimes plays in the forward line, then maybe midfielder and no more than his football thing. He's probably, he plays a lot in a half back line in the hurling and he's an attacking half back. So, you know, he's, he's, he, he's, 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 probably the finest hurler that I have seen in my time in, in Mayo anyway um, hands down no one close to him at all he's just you know um, he probably would have met it in maybe Galway or Tipperary or Kilkenny if he was able to consistently play hurling as opposed to football yes I think he would have had a career there as well so but look, he's a, he's a unique sportsman. I think he, uh, any sport that that lad would take up, he'd, he'd be good at, you know, because he has he has he has what they call the drive, you know. When you have that drive in you, like, and his drive is suited to hurling, like, and you need a bit of drive when you're playing hurling anyway. You, you also need it in football, but you know, hurling, especially in my opinion, anyway. When he has that in spades, God bless him, he's fantastic. There are kind of similarities and I suppose what you'd call characteristics or skills that you can sometimes see with footballers who have a hurling background. You know, you mentioned Fergal Boland there as well, Tony. Keith Higgins has it as well. It's that 
drive you call it the kind of ability to get away from their man may not be the most physically imposing it's not you know pounds of muscle on them but it's the guile and the awareness of where their man is and the marker is to get around them Mike do you think that it would be important for us to grow the sport of hurling here in the county to improve the skills and qualities of the ranks of the male footballers perhaps because if it's anything like Keith Higgins has had a background in hurling it certainly has benefited his footballing career yeah definitely you know it would always be an advantage because I don't think you'll find too many people will argue um about which is the more skillful game you know I uh, one reason I've always thought that football is the more widely played is it's it's easier to play it's anybody can just pick up a football and and go now you know there are you're know, reaching certain levels and all that does take certain amounts of skill but you know you take you know, we often see famous photos and videos of you know the New Zealand rugby guys or the Real Madrid footballers coming in they can pick up a Gaelic football tell them to kick it over the bar and they'll do it they pick up a hurl and nine times out of ten they look like an idiot <laughs> because it's just it's a foreign completely foreign skill to them the same thing goes for you know every every footballer nearly in the country that if they didn't pick up a hurl when they were younger they just it, it's like a foreign object to them you know you, you go to the likes of you know particularly and i keep going back to kilkenny and tipperary but those two counties in particular to a lesser extent certain parts of galway uh, certain parts of cork but kilkenny and tip it's you know a religion. They have the hurl in their hand. It's almost the day of their christening. They're given this little hurl and a little slit. You know, our, our, our eldest lad Oren had one at about seven months old, given to him by a friend of Lorraine's who was from down that part of the country. You know, it was just that's the natural thing, is to get them used to holding it, get them used to those basic skills, and that can translate over because your hand-eye coordination for hurling has to be. 20 times what it is for football but if you can get things like that right for hurling the bigger ball it will become much it will come to you much easier if you can get the fundamentals of hurling and if you can drill that into kids at you know maybe not as young as six but kind of nine ten eleven twelve around that kind of age if they can pick up the fundamentals of a much tougher game if they can learn to properly pick the ball up with a, with a hurl and a slither, if they can, you know, learn to, to puck the ball over the bar from, from 70 metres out and all that, then the football skills, you know, while, yes, they, you know, to, to get them right, to get them to a high level is hard, but they'll come a hell of a lot easier because they were able to do those much more difficult ones. It's exactly like how many good hurlers are good golfers. Because there's a lot of similarities in the sense of, you know, that hand-eye coordination. You look at the likes of DJ Carey and Owen Kelly and guys like that. You see these guys playing in the pro-ams, you know, and they're sometimes they're nearly as good as the pros because they have those fundamental skills. If that can be translated over and there's no reason it can't, then it's only a benefit. Every sport, you know, you can say the same about rugby. You know, if you have the basics of rugby, it will help you in Gaelic football and vice versa. You know, we've seen Shane Horgan over the years for Ireland. You know, his football skills came back to help him against England back in 07 and things like that. Rob Kearney became the best fullback in the world by virtue of being a loud minor. He was that good at Gaelic football, you know, and he was able to bring those skills over. Same with Tommy Bull and even Shane Long, you know, down to Prairie, he was a He would have played senior hurling for Tipperary. He was able to bring some of those skills into the game of soccer. His, his coordination with the ball 
was is so good. You see him with the ball at his feet. He's not generally losing it. A lot of that comes down to having some of the fundamental skills of hurling and having to keep things tight, you know, having to keep the ball in and protect yourself and all that. That translated over. So there's no reason why hurling skills are the basics of knowing hurling can translate over to help guys be better footballers. And, you know, in Mayo in particular, if, if you can get kids at 8, 9, 10, 11, picking these things up, if that helps them at... 18, 19, 20, 28, 29, 30, it can only help Mayo football. Yeah, it's certainly transferable skills would seem to benefit the already existing talent that is here in this county. Tony, before we wrap up, you mentioned the origins of the game of hurling there just south of Clare Morris. Could you enlighten us a bit more on that story and how maybe the traditions of hurling are deeper in Mayo than some may be led to believe? No, Cuisin, uh, <laughs> you want a history lesson. Well, you know, I, I don't know much more about it than that. That it, it was something to do with either Queen Maeve of Connacht or Cucullin that there was the first, it was the first uh, games that were recorded. First kind of, well, I suppose it's an old an old version of hurling or whatever that was 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 recorded on the, the the plains of Maitura. Um, I would have to research it more for you, but I've always I've read that and I've heard that. So um, unfortunately, that's all the <laughs> historic uh, information I have for you on that. But I could have it for you the next day, Quivin. Sounds good. We'll have maybe a book on that one or a radio. Well, well, yes, indeed. I, I can see a book. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. There's a book in it, and and maybe a, I don't know podcasts and. Whatever else. We'll get, get Mike Kelly there. He'd be a good investigative journalist there. He'd be able to do that very quickly. Does that maybe point towards why that part of Mayo was so successful at Hurling? Gosh, I, I, I would maybe have thought that it was more to the land than anything else because they, um, they tend to say historically that the reason why Hurling is so strong in the Munster counties and the Leinster counties and that and say Galway is down. A lot of it is down to the land. And But then people will uh, point out and say, how come it's not uh, as strong in Kildare or in on the plains of Royal Meat, you know? So maybe that's another, maybe that's, <laughs> that's another historic lesson. That, but, you know, I, I don't know why I, um, going back, reading the history of our country and I think a lot of it might be brought up in the political history of our country as well as the sporting history of our country and it could be down to the fact of where a lot of the people were um, living at the time when say the GA was 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 founded you would if you look through the list of people most of them were from the the, the Munster South Leinster area as such so that could be possible that that's why the reason for it. But again, I go back to it. It's all about tradition, Cuivin. It's it's it, it's like anything. You like take take for example soccer in this county, and you have Westport United or traditional soccer club. You have Castlebar Celtic here as well. Huge long tradition. So you have a lot of people playing those sports. If you go to parts of Dublin, it's rugby, um, Gaelic football. Castle Bar as well, you know, it, it, it's all like even cycling or horse racing, whatever sport you want to come up with, you will find that there is like, say, rugby, for example, there's an area over there 
Craig's, I think, in, on the Roscommon Galway border. And they, I, I remember passing it last summer, we were going to play a hurling match in that league. And to see the setup they had over there in the middle of no, no disrespect, but in, 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 in a rural area in, in, in North Galway and or South Roscommon, and to see the facilities that they have over there. Again, that's tradition. And you can't, you, you, you can't discount tradition because tradition in itself is part and parcel of our life and, and the way that we're brought up, what, we're, what we see from our parents, what we see in the local field, what we see when we go to school and what we um, want to attain to be ourselves. So, you know, um, I would never give out to anyone for not going to a hurling match um, in Mayo. Um, everybody to their own to their own um love but uh it's just that sometimes you'd say that they're missing out because it's it, it's a great house sport and, and and you'd love to see it supported more but you have to understand and you just you just get on with it and, and work away with it and you know look um it would be great and it will be great this year. As I said, hurling with Mayo did probably come back stronger as well because there's a lot of good hurlers in there now and there's a lot of good hurlers coming. I see a lot of good hurlers coming, um, especially at juvenile level. Claire Morris have a fine crew of hurlers over there now. Um, Cashel Gales are coming. Ballina are coming back. Turin are very, very strong again. Ballyhonas seemed to, it looked for a while as if they were gone, you know, they were beginning to go, but they won a county final again last year. Westport are coming back again. They really are. And we in Castlebar have a fine bunch of young lads coming through that are well able to hurl. They're all well able to hurl now, you see, because they've been hurling since they were young lads, since they were six or seven years of age. So, the skill levels are high. So I, I see a great future for hurling. And um, if the county board support it and keep supporting it, and um, the hurling people themselves will do the hard work, but they need the support. Maybe sometimes you need financial support. And if that's there, and facilities support as well, uh, you know, grounds and to be able to play matches and good pitches and the whole lot, I think hurling will be fine. It's, it will be in a good place. Mike, if I can finish up with you in terms of the infrastructure that's there, the county board support that Tony mentions, and I suppose the recent kind of dogmatic approach that we seem to witness of young sports stars where they have, are kind of told and encouraged to focus on one sport after the age of about 12, 13. Is that something that can change or is there an enthusiasm within the county to see that change? It's it's hard to know if there's much of an enthusiasm. I think, you know, places where there might be dual clubs, the, the likes of you know, Castle Bar, the likes of Ballina, if, if if the hurling club can get going again, uh, Claire Morris, if they can get up and running, is probably where you have your best chance of kids, you know, right the way up to about minor at least, playing both sports and maybe getting the advantages of both sports and then maybe being allowed to, to decide. But you're right in that, you know, the best players are kind of identified at about 10 and 10 or 11 and told you should focus on G, you know, Gaelic football or I suppose very rarely they're going to be told to focus on hurling, but it's in Mayo, it is always going to be Gaelic football unless it's another sport entirely like soccer or rugby or something like that. Um, because Gaelic football is king in this County. That's where, you know, I'm not going to say it's where the success is going to be down the line because, you know, the hurlers winning the Mickey Rackard or the Christie ring or something like that, to them and to the hurling fraternity in the county is just as big 
as Mayo winning the Sam Maguire as you know as that is to the football fraternity. It's it's you know as as Tony said, each to their own. That your competition is the big competition, and I think until there is that dual approach, and it should be remembered, there really is only what. It, you know, now there's probably only two real dual counties in the country because I think Cork are falling back. The Cork, it's always one or the other. You know, the, the two of them rarely anymore ever seem to be kind of good at the same time. They, they seem to fund the hurling, they do well, and the footballers fall away. Oh, we better fund the footballers. And then it flips. You know, the footballers do well and the hurlers start falling away. Dublin and Galway are probably the only two at the moment that really, truly, equally... Um, uh, dual counties and in Galway that's because they're kept separate you know they both have their own county boards I think they're both looked after separately until probably at the end of the day it comes together for for maybe funding or something like that and there's a relatively even split and that's where you know you will see more and more kids playing is both sports is in those kind of counties you know is where they actually have a chance of doing something as they get older in both sports but in Mayo it's always going to be you have to pick one and if you're in Laherdon, Swinford, Cross Malina, you know, uh, Ballantubber, any of these kind of places, hurling just isn't on the horizon. It's, you know, when I was younger, we used to go up to the, the GA pitch and I, actually I did it down in Laherdon as well with, with the hurl and a slither and you were looked at like, where are you often? What are these things you have with you? You know, you're going playing cricket. You know, it was just, it was, it was alien to the, to the area, to the pitch. Uh, and until something like that changes, then I think at a younger age, the only real hurling a lot of kids are going to get is in cool camps and things like that, where, you know, maybe a bit of ground hurling in that. And then it's going to be all about football, football, football. Excellent stuff, gentlemen. Many thanks for your time, Tony Stakelum and Michael Kelly. Really fascinating chat on the evolution of hurling here in Mayo and maybe explains some of the reasons and some hopeful optimism with the likes of Keith Higgins joining the ranks. Enjoy the weekend's action and many thanks for joining us.